now, the Asheville Museum of Science presents 7-Minute Science, powered by the828.com. Glad you're with us again. It's 7-Minute Science, a podcast for the curious. Every episode, we answer those science questions you have wondered about, and we do so in seven minutes or less with the help of an expert. I'm Ken from the828.com. And I'm Corey with the Asheville Museum of Science. 7-Minute Science is a great way to learn something new while you're parallel parking, turning your compost, or building a telescope. So thank you for joining us as we get ready to learn something new today. That telescope could come in handy if you have directed your gaze skyward in the last month or two. You may have wondered what is going on with the moon. You've been bathed in an eerie white glow because the last two full moons have been extra special. Today, we are going to propel ourselves into the sky and learn about supermoons as we prepare for the third installment of the Supermoon Trilogy coming up on January 31st. That's right. What's a supermoon? How often do they occur? Why do they look so big? Is there a lunar eclipse coming? We have so many questions, and if all goes to plan, Ken and I will be able to answer and uncover these questions with the help of our wonderful expert guest, Judy Beck. Now, Judy has a bachelor's in physics and astronomy from Williams College and has a master's from UNC Chapel Hill. She's a senior lecturer in the Department of Physics at UNC Asheville, where she's worked for the past 18 years. She teaches physics, astronomy, and special topics courses. She is the campus director of the North Carolina Space Grant Consortium and is active in science outreach for schools, teachers, and the general public. In 2008, Judy spent a year teaching at the University of La Serena, Chile where she thoroughly enjoyed gazing in the Southern Hemisphere night skies and working with her Chilean colleagues, students, and local K-12 teachers. Judy is an active member of the Astronomy Club of Asheville and is on the advisory group of the Lookout Observatory, a collaboration between the club and the university, which opened in the fall of 2014. Judy, thank you for joining us on 7-Minute Science today. Thanks so much for having me, Corey and Ken. It is so great to have you here. We are going to put you to work this morning. We could be your most difficult students ever, Judy, I'm going to warn you. (laughs) Looking forward to it. (laughs) Uh, Corey and I are going to attempt to learn as much as we can about supermoons in seven minutes. We're going to pepper you with some questions. And then after that time, we're going to do our best to recap what we've learned. And if all goes to our evil plan, we will know exactly what's happening as the giant glowing orb rises in the night sky. January 31st. Perfect. All right, before we start, Ken, I think it's time that we come clean with the facts. Uh, We should admit that we never really ask questions in seven minutes. It's always longer, but that 14-minute science just doesn't have the same ring to it. Some of you people have been (laughs) keeping a clock on us. We have learned. No, but we're going to do our best, but we have such fascinating guests here, and uh, they bring us such great information, but we try to keep it contained, so hopefully in one commute, you too will know everything you need to know about everything. That's right. Are we ready to get started? We are ready. Let's start the clock. All right. So let's get started with what is a supermoon and how do they occur? Well, to answer that question, you have to start by thinking about the orbit of the moon around the Earth. Okay. It is not a circle. It's an ellipse, which is a slightly squashed circle. And so that means sometimes the moon is closer to the Earth and sometimes it's a little farther away. Supermoon is a term that was coined, I think, in 1979. And it's actually not an official astronomy term, but it just refers to the moon when it is full and at about its closest. So if you want some kind of fancy words for supermoon, the term syzygy, which is maybe my favorite word in the English language, 
Uh, that is, is fun to say. Is, is, is fun. You just got to practice that. Syzygy. S-Y-Z-Y-G-Y. It's also fun to write. So a syzygy just means um, the occurrence of three astronomical objects lining up. So full moons, new moons, those are all syzygies. In the moon's orbit, the point when it is closest is called perigee. Mm-hmm. And so a supermoon is essentially a perigee syzygy. A perigee syzygy. <laughs> All right. Judy has just <laughs> amped it up. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Which really is just when the moon happens to be at its closest point at the full moon phase. So is that why the moon looks so big? Because in that ellipse, like, kind of like an egg-shaped pattern, that right. is the closest point. Right. Uh, d- does it look that big everywhere? Um, it looks that big everywhere from the surface of the Earth where you can see the moon. So everywhere on the nighttime side of the Earth. It's about 14% bigger than it appears at the farthest point in its orbit, and that makes it about 30% brighter. So it really does look brighter and does appear bigger than when it's at its farthest point. Okay, so before we go any farther, trying to picture this syzygy, we got the sun, the earth, and the moon. Right. Okay, all lined up. Now, how often do these supermoons occur? We said there's a trilogy, so there's been the last three full moons? Uh, Right. So it actually depends on how you want to define it. And as as I mentioned, supermoon is not an official astronomical term. So one source says if you're within 90% of this closest point, then it can be considered a supermoon. One says if you're um, under a certain distance. So typically you get around four supermoons a year. Some, By some definitions, it would be three to four. By a more generous definition, it would actually be four to six. So how much closer is the moon? And you said it was Perigee, is that correct? Per- perigee is the closest point. Apogee is the farthest. So how much closer is it during the perigee than it, as opposed to the apogee? About 30,000 miles. Okay, so it's a lot closer. Yeah. So what is so special about this supermoon on the 31st? Will this be the third this of will, three to four, or this, will this be the third of three? This will this will be the third of three for now. Um, and that's one thing that's special about it. Another thing that's special about it is that it is actually the second full moon in a particular calendar month. And mm-hmm. that is given the name blue moon. You may have heard the phrase once in a blue moon. Um, this is actually also not an official astronomical term, but it's kind of a fun, fun term to use. The first full moon of the year was on January 1st. The full moon to full moon cycle is 29 and a half days. And so when you get a full moon really, really early in a month, a month is long enough to have that second full moon. So ah. the moon on the 31st is also a blue moon. And it's also um, going to be a lunar eclipse. So it's a particularly special super moon. Wow. So there's a lot going on here with the super moon. There is a lot going on with the super and my moon. My mind is blown. Let's, let's <laughs> unpack some of this. So let's talk about the lunar eclipse then. Uh, what is a lunar eclipse? And do does a super moon always occur in concurrence with a Lunar eclipse? Great question. So a supermoon is a full moon, and a lunar eclipse can only occur during a full moon, but they do not have to be together. You can have supermoons that aren't lunar eclipses and lunar eclipses that aren't supermoons. The thing they have in common is that they both have to occur during a full moon. So a lunar eclipse occurs when the shadow of the Earth actually falls on the moon or the moon passes through the shadow of the earth. You can mm-hmm. think about it either way. And the um, I, I brought a little model, which I know no one, no one watching, hearing, listening will no, this actually is good. be That's able to describe this it. This is the power of... <laughs> 
already, be able to describe, describe it. So, so basically, Dr. Judy has three foot-long rulers attached to each other, and on one end, there's a stick. Is that a martini olive or like a bouncy ball? <laughs> that's, What's- that's very close. That's a little one-inch um, in diameter model of the Earth. Okay. So, yeah, it looks kind of like a bouncy ball. Mm-hmm. And then 30 inches away, so almost to the other end of this mean, of this yardstick, is a, a little tiny ball that is a model of the moon. So it's about a quarter of an inch. So I would say that might be equivalent to a very small P. Yes. Okay. Yes. So now you have to imagine the sun, which would, by the way, be bigger this, than this entire yardstick. It would be about just the sun's diameter. Would it be about three yards across? Oh, wow. It's huge. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be way over there someplace shining light. So that it hits the earth, mm-hmm. and then the shadow of the earth will extend and cover the moon. And because the moon is so close, that's how come it falls into the earth's shadow? Exactly. And and But you can see, if I tilt this just a little bit, if you imagine light coming from someplace, the earth and the moon are relatively far apart compared to their sizes. So it would be easy for that moon to miss the shadow. So if a lunar eclipse only happens when they line up just perfectly. You have that perfect syzygy, and the shadow... Mm-hmm of the earth falls on the moon. So we get a full moon every 29 and a half days. Exactly. But a lunar eclipse does not happen every 29 and a half days. And does that have anything to do with the orbit of the moon? Is it tilted at all? Is it flat? Absolutely. It's tilted with respect to the orbit of the earth around the sun okay. by about five degrees. And, and that so, five degrees makes a big difference. And then five degrees makes a big difference. So most of the time when you're at a full moon phase, the moon is going to be a little bit above or a little bit below the shadow of the earth. And so it will pass through full moon, but it won't, it won't have an eclipse. Um, about twice a year, things line up perfectly. The moon happens to be at one of the nodes, and a node is where the plane of the moon's orbit around the Earth crosses the plane of the Earth's orbit around the sun. And if the moon finds itself at a node at full moon, boom, you get an eclipse. Oh, this is going to be special then. I, I cannot wait to, now that I, I understand how some of this is going down, to witness it with this knowledge. But uh, we've got to get a little more information from you, like the color, Judy. What's going on with the color of the moon during the supermoon? So um, the color of the moon during a normal supermoon isn't necessarily anything special. However, the color of the moon during a lunar eclipse is, and you may have heard lunar eclipses called blood moons, and that's because they do appear red. Ah, so, so it's a blue moon that's going to appear red. <laughs> exactly. It's even more confusing. It's a, it's a red, blue, super moon. Which, and we've learned that none of those terms really mean anything, anything. in the scientific <laughs> that's, that's world. Right, that's right, but that's okay. <laughs> um, they're fun terms anyway. So... At um, Think about what happens at sunset or sunrise. Mm-hmm. The sky looks kind of blue, and that's because at that time of day, the sunlight has to pass through a lot of the Earth's atmosphere to get to your eyes. So at noon, the sun is directly overhead. It just passes through a little atmosphere. When it's low on the horizon, it has a lot more atmosphere to pass through. And what that means is the shorter wavelengths of light, the blues and the greens, get scattered out. Light is preferentially scattered by the atmosphere such that the more atmosphere it goes through, the more the blues and greens are scattered out. So what that leaves getting to you is the reds and oranges. During a lunar eclipse, the sun is coming past the Earth to the moon. As the moon gets into the shadow of the Earth, the sun light 
gets scattered as it does during a normal sunset or sun, sunrise. And so only red light gets bent around the earth to actually hit the moon. And then what we see is the reflection of that reddish light back to us. So it's kind of complicated, wow, but it okay. has to do with the scattering of the blue light. Um, some folks at NASA have described this as as seeing all the Earth's sunrises and sunsets at that moment at the same time. Seeing it all simultaneously. That's right. The 31st is going to be special. It's going to be special. All right. I'm really excited for the 31st, but I want to know exactly what to expect and when to go outside. So can you kind of give us a rundown, if possible, if we're in Asheville? On the 31st, what can we expect? Time, color, brightness, things like that. Okay, so unfortunately in Asheville, the eclipse is going to start uh, early in the morning as opposed to seeing it at night, and it's not going to be full. The moon will have set before the eclipse is actually full, but it's still definitely worth seeing. So if you um, get up early that morning... How early are we talking? The partial eclipse will start at 6.48 a.m. Oh, okay. So not too bad. Not too bad. Totally doable. In the morning coffee. In the morning coffee. That's right. So go take start start looking at the moon a little bit before 6.48. Around 6.48, you should notice it getting one side of it getting darker and redder. And then um, total eclipse would actually begin at 7.51 our time, but the moon will have set by then. So you can watch the moon with your morning coffee turning redder, turning darker until it sets. So you'll want to make sure you have a good view to the west because it will be very low in the horizon and then set at um, about 7.30 or so. That will be a a great uh, way to start the morning. I think so, unless... They're not bad luck, are they? Oh, they're not bad luck. Oh, no. perfect. Well, there we go. <laughs> you know, uh, because the Asher Museum of Science had a big solar eclipse festival last yes. summer. And Corey, I know how easy that was for you to plan and throw. <laughs> Could you whip us together a, a little lunar eclipse party? Yeah, come on over. <laughs> well, I'll make some coffee for everybody. Excellent. And we'll be able to, to look up there. Now, quick question. I'll be there. Perfect. Well, I'll have coffee ready for you if you drink coffee. <laughs> now, here's a question for you. I don't know if this is particularly just with supermoons or just in, with the moon in general, but when you go outside and the moon is closer to the horizon, it looks so much bigger and you can, that 14%, in my opinion, maybe it becomes a lot easier to see than when it's way, way up in the sky. Right. Is that true? And if so, why does it look so much bigger when it's kind of coming up up near the horizon? It is definitely true that it looks bigger. Aristotle, you know, long ago noticed that. Um, Ptolemy wrote about it. In, in his famous astronomical works. But in fact, it is not any better. Right. And people are still kind of puzzled about this illusion. They actually call it the moon illusion. Mm-hmm. And there are two explanations that are most likely the cause um, in some sort of in some sort of combination. One is just that our minds um, interpret size differently when we have objects nearby, to compare Uh, to. And so when the moon is close to the horizon, you see trees, you see buildings. And so it's going to look bigger to your mind possibly than when it's straight overhead and there are no objects around it. The other one is an optical illusion that is called the Ponzo illusion. And you may have seen the sort of optical illusions that have um, lines converging in the distance sort of look like train tracks. They're really just two diagonal lines drawn on a page. And your mind, when you when you see that, thinks about things moving into the distance. And so we think things are farther away 
um, or rather, when we think things are farther away, we interpret their size differently. And so apparently we see the celestial dome not as a perfect hemisphere, but we tend to interpret because of the way our minds work, the objects on the horizon as being farther away than objects overhead. Hmm. And therefore the moon seems larger to us when it's on the horizon. So it's an optical illusion. And, and one way to test it out is to go out on a night of a full moon and observe it near the horizon and observe it when it's high in the sky and measure it. So if you hold your thumb out at arm's length, you will just about cover the moon. And that's going to be true whether it's on the horizon or whether it's overhead. Hmm. And another trick I read about is take a, take a roll of paper and roll it up so that when you hold it in front of your eye, get it, get it to the size that is perfect to just encompass the moon. And do that when it's close to the horizon and then go inside and come out a few hours later with that same roll of paper and try it when the moon's overhead and it will be exactly the same. Wow. Even Neat. though you think it looks a lot bigger when it's close to the horizon. Between your bouncy balls and your crumpled paper, <laughs> Dr. Judy, you've given us uh, all sorts of things we can do at home. Things to do. Have fun. Now, this let me ask fun. you this. I don't mean to sound like a big dummy, but uh, observing a lunar eclipse, I don't need any special eye gear, right? Correct. I can look directly at you it. You can look directly at it. And in fact, if you have binoculars, that's fun. You'll see a lot more detail on the moon with binoculars. So take some binoculars out there and, and use them as well. Fantastic. All right. What do you think? I think we're ready. we got Syzygy, Apogee. <laughs> Parodies. We got terms. This was a good lecture, <laughs> this Corey. This good. We have props. I think I think we can do this. This is the portion of 7-Minute Science where Corey and I, uh, and feel free to play along if you're listening, uh, <laughs> try to restate what we have learned from Judy to see uh, that we are masters of the supermoon. Shall we begin? Let's do it. So first things first, it's going to happen on January 31st, and it's going to be the last in the trilogy that have been the last full moons. Trilogy, which is also synonymous with Syzygy. Three <laughs> celestial events happening uh, in a sequence, correct? Close. So, <laughs> I, so let, me, let me try my hand at Syzygy, too, because I think it does have to do with three things. The lining up of the sun, the earth, and the moon. Is that correct? necessarily have to be those three? Three correct. celestial objects? Right. Okay. So Perfect. if they're lined up, we've got ourselves a Syzygy, and so then Syzygy is synonymous with Supermoon, which is a made-up term. So this a syzygy is any time three celestial objects line okay. up in a straight line. Um, that has to be the case if there's a supermoon. Okay. Um, all right, we had a little rocky start, but we're going to finish strong. <laughs> That's uh, right. The reason the moon <laughs> appears so big is because uh, its path is, is more of an orb. It's more egg-shaped, and and that brings its path closer to us because of the point in uh, in the egg where it is in relation to where we are here on the Earth. Perfect. So it's actually going to be 30,000 miles closer at this point, which is the apogee? Perigee. Ah, perigee. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Corey was absent for that <laughs> podcast. So it's going to be 30,000 miles closer during the perigee than the apogee. Okay. And that makes it 14% bigger. Appear 14% 14 bigger, bigger than... And what was it? 30% brighter? Yeah. Okay, we got a lot of numbers going on here. So this is also fairly confusing because in we've been lucky enough in January that we'll have two full moons, and that's sometimes called a blue moon, that second of the full moon in that month. But the moon is going to appear to have a reddish 
tint to it. And so it could be called a blood moon because of the lunar eclipse that's going to be happening. Yes, because uh, when you have the uh, Earth, which is your martini olive. That's right. Uh, <laughs> and the moon, which which is your pea. Uh, and, and it casts that shadow and lights refracted. Uh, I, I'm speaking in general terms. Um, I'm, I'm really kind of dumbing it down here for everybody else, Judy. You see, but that, that's that's I'm kind of on the right track. Absolutely. Right? So you're you're bending the light. The the blue light gets scattered, and then those larger wavelengths, like the red, um, are then what hits the moon. And in Asheville, we'll be able to see at least partial lunar eclipse. Well, if we, you all come over to, to my place around 6.30, 6.40 in the morning, we'll be able to see it. And uh, we'll see ourselves a lunar eclipse. And look directly at it. Why, don't, can why not? We look directly at it. That's right. Bring your binoculars. And so, uh, yeah, so we're talking about uh, 6.45-ish, quarter right? seven. You said right. 6.48 was the exact time? Yep. Did we miss anything else? Oh, I, I think, think we missed a it. lot well, of things. Well, we missed a lot, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything else that we really need to make sure we, uh, we recap? So that everyone can prepare themselves for January 31st. I don't think so. Just get Excellent. out there and observe the moon. It's beautiful. I, I, I feel much better prepared. Me too. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I, I honestly think that the model really helped me visualize what's going to be happening. So, Great. Yeah, and we'll uh, post a picture of that uh, if you're listening to this at the 828.com. We'll post a picture of it there and on social media so you can uh, build it at home. <laughs> That's perfect. I, I love the fact that I described it as uh, three rulers connected together. Yes, a yardstick. Thank you. I believe the technical term is yardstick. Thank you, Judy. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Judy Beck, for talking with us today. Really appreciate you getting up early to come here and discuss the supermoon with us. Thanks so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. We have had a lot of fun on this edition of 7-Minute Science. We hope you learned something and can share the knowledge with a friend, a relative, or a colleague, anybody in your life who you want to share the supermoon with. We've got more episodes. Uh, find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, and of course, at the 828.com slash science. Thanks to Asheville Museum of Science. <laughs>